Good morning, Lakeview Church. Here at Lakeview Church, we say we're an everyday church for everyday people where every single day we follow Jesus, we live generously, and we make a difference. This is who we are, and this is what we're about. And if you're new around here and we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Chris Williams, and I get to serve here as the lead pastor. And I want to just say, if you are new around here, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Whether this is your first Sunday or whether you've been trying us out for a few weeks and whether you're doing that in person or whether you're doing that online, we just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad you took time out of your weekend to be with us. And uh, we just want to let you know that this is a place where you can take the next steps in your spiritual journey. That's why we're here and it's what we do. And we just want to welcome you and we're glad you're here. If you are new around here and you haven't filled out the communication card yet, we want to encourage you to do that. And you can do that by texting the word welcome to the number that's listed in the bulletin there, 765-222-5937. Or you can just scan that QR code right in that handout that you received when you came in this morning. And if you're online, you can do that as well. Again, text the word welcome, 765-222-5937. And then you'll just fill out the communication card, and that'll just give us some information about who you are, and that just helps us know you and begin to serve you more effectively, and we would encourage you to do that. And if you do that today, whether you're here in the room or whether you're joining us online, we have a gift that we would love to share with you. And so if you're joining online, we'll get that gift to you later this week, uh, and we just want to encourage you to do that. And if you're here in the room, you can pick your gift up on the way out. You can go right back to our Welcome Center in our lobby, and one of the dream teamers who's serving there will be glad to meet you and make a connection with you and share that gift with you. And again, we just want to welcome you, and we're so glad that you're here today. Now, uh, this is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, Hands down, uh, I just love it when one year's coming to an end and a new year's getting ready to kick off. It just kind of plays to my personality because uh, I kind of like to get alone and just to be quiet and to reflect and to think and plan and prepare. And so as, as one year starts to come to an end, it's a good time to look back and just see all the ways God has been at work to kind of identify the lessons learned and the things that, that have happened in this last year. And then to look ahead at a calendar that has just days and weeks and months with nothing on it yet. And just to anticipate what's coming, to just look ahead and see opportunities for personal growth, to see opportunities for professional development, and most importantly, to see opportunities to pursue with more fervency and passion the purposes of God in the new year. I absolutely love this time of the year. It's, it's one of my favorites. And this year's been no different. As, as 2021 was coming to an end and we could see 2022 fast approaching, I sp- started spending more time reflecting and getting alone for times of prayer and just asking God, what is this new year going to be focused on? And as I started thinking about the new year, I kept coming back to the words that Nikki read for us from Matthew chapter 5. Words of Jesus describing his people, his followers in this world in which we live. And and again, I just want to read these words and I want to highlight a couple of phrases for you. They're going to be on the screen. This is, again, the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. And then this is one of the phrases I underline. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and it will be trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And then this is one of the sentences I underlined. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under 
a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus gives these words to describe his people, his followers, his church. And he's giving us two images that really speak to our calling as God's people in this world. He says that we are the light of the world. And, and a light is meant to push back the darkness. Right? When you put light into a dark room, the darkness flees. It, it's pushed back by the light. And so Jesus says a light is intended to push back the darkness so you wouldn't take your light and hide it under a basket. You'd let the light do what the light is intended to do. In the same way, you are the salt of the earth, and salt is intended to flavor the food that it touches. It, it, it preserves and it keeps what it touches. That's what salt is for. But if salt loses its saltiness, if it loses its flavor, then it's no good. Just throw it out and trample it under your feet because it's not worth anything because it's lost its purpose. Jesus is giving us two images which speak to our calling and our purpose as his people. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth, which means our calling is to influence this world for good and for God. But as 2021 was winding down, I was just giving thought to these words and what they mean for us as God's people. And as I kept thinking about these words, I kept asking the question, is the church in the world today losing its influence? And I fear that the church is losing its influence. And here's why. Particularly in the North American context and particularly in the United States of America, we look back at our heritage as a nation and we say that America is a Christian nation. Now, this is not meant to say that we have some official religion as a nation because we don't. We've never had an official state religion. We've always allowed people to choose their own religion or no religion at all. That's been part of America's history. And yet America has been known as a Christian nation because when you go back to the founding of our country, what you find is that the principles upon which this country was built really trace back to the Judeo-Christian worldview. And so we say America is a Christian nation because so many of the founding principles trace back to the principles that we find in the Judeo-Christian worldview, the principles that we find in the scriptures. And, and in America, in the early days of our founding, there were lots of people in this nation who claimed the name of Christ, and there were those who didn't claim the name of Christ but still sought to live a moral life. And many of the moral principles that they base their lives on trace back to that same Judeo-Christian worldview. And so when we said America was a Christian nation, in many ways, it was true. But what we know is that 50 or 100 years ago, America kind of untied itself from the moorings of that Judeo-Christian worldview. And we started to divorce ourselves from those principles which were part of our founding, and our culture began to move away from that. 
Now, we didn't notice this right away because, because even though our world had kind of moved past the Christian faith upon which our country was founded, we still looked like a Christian nation because we, we said the right things and we kind of did the right things in a lot of parts of our culture. And so even though we weren't Christian anymore, we still kind of looked like it. And this kind of led some people to look at America and finally say, this is not, an, a, not a Christian nation anymore. This is a post-Christian nation. We've kind of moved past the principles of our founding. And some of you, even sitting here today, you're uncomfortable with that kind of description of America because, because you still want to think about America as a Christian nation. But I want to just encourage you to just wake up. I just want to encourage you to wake up and look around. Because we can live in a dream world pretending that America is what it was way back in the day. Or we can admit the reality in which we find ourselves today so that we can begin to do something about it. As long as we deny the reality, God cannot use us because we are living in a dream world. But once we accept the reality of where we are and begin to understand what is happening in our nation today then God can begin to use us to speak into our culture where it is right now. We were a Christian nation, and then we became a post-Christian nation, and that slide has continued to this point. I would not call us Christian or post-Christian. I would call us secular. I would call us a secular nation. We have completely divorced ourselves from those founding principles. We have moved away from the Christian faith in its entirety. And I think what we've seen over the last couple of years is an increase in the pace at which we are becoming more and more secular. We look at the news, we see what's happening in our culture, we read kind of the, the, the news articles that are written, we watch the movies and the TV shows, and we see the morality or the lack thereof that is portrayed in so many of them. And for some of us, we think, how did this happen? Well, it's been happening for a long, long time. And what was a Christian nation has become post-Christian and now has become secular. And when we come to that understanding of where our culture is at, then the church has a decision to make, a choice that is in front of the church. What will we do as we seek to interact with culture? And I think there are two temptations, two ditches, if you will, on either side of the road that we have to be careful that we don't fall into either one of them. And the first temptation is compromise. You see, the reality is, is that culture looks at the church, and when they look at the church, they think that our convictions and our principles and the morality that we espouse and the beliefs that we hold to be true, they think that, that what we believe is outdated, that it's not in, it's not trendy, it's not cool, it, 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 it doesn't fit. And so what the culture is doing for the church right now is they're either just writing us off and ignoring us, or they're actually calling to us and asking us to change our convictions. Lay them down. Put them aside. Just forget about them. They're outdated and they're out of touch. They don't fit with today's culture. So just compromise and join us. 
That's a temptation for the church. And here's what you need to know, is that as culture ramps up its call for the church to get rid of its convictions and move beyond them and just join with culture, that there are local churches all across the United States of America that are giving in to that temptation. They're just laying their convictions down. They're laying the convictions the church has held for centuries. They're just laying those convictions down so that they can join with the culture. This is happening all around us in the United States of America today. And what happens is when a church lays down its convictions, when it decides to compromise and just join with the culture, what you end up with is a church that connects with the culture, but that church has nothing of substance to offer to the culture. It's just part of the world, just like the world. And there's nothing distinct or different or separate that allows the church to offer something to culture that could actually help it become different and better. That's one of the temptations the church faces. On the other side of the road is another ditch that we must also be careful we don't fall into, and this is the temptation to withdraw. I mean, maybe you've felt this in your own life. You look at the culture around you and you think, man, this place is getting crazy. There are things happening out there in the world right now which don't reflect what I believe as a follower of Jesus Christ. And and it's just hard to fight the battle. And it's hard to engage in this kind of culture. And so what, what a lot of Christians face the temptation, if they're not willing to compromise, they just withdraw. They just say, let's go hide out somewhere. Let's go find a place where we can just be with ourselves and let's just forget about the culture. Let's just hold on until Jesus comes back and we just withdraw from the culture and distance ourselves from it. If the church compromises, it's joining culture. When the church chooses to withdraw from culture, it's deciding to judge the culture takes a posture of judgment and just simply points a finger at what it has come to believe is just evil and secular and ungodly and sinful. And it just judges and condemns the world while protecting its own purity by staying distanced from the world, the world which God loves. And so we've got this choice. Do we compromise or do we withdraw? And here's what I want you to know today. Neither one of these options honor God. Neither one of them honor God. Neither one of them fulfill God's desire for his people in this world. God will not tolerate a compromising church. He will not tolerate it because it does not reflect his character and his desire and his intention for the world. But he will not bless a church that has withdrawn either. Because when Jesus himself prayed for his church, he did not pray that we would be separate from the world, and he did not pray that we would become like the world. He prayed that we would be in the world, just not like it, right in the center of it, but different and distinct from it. So we're not called to compromise, and we're not called to withdraw. We're called to engagement. We're called to engagement. You see, we're called to be God's people right in the middle of a culture that is sinful, that is ungodly, that is secular, that has forgotten who God is and wants nothing to do with him. We're called to be right in the middle of that culture. 
And we are called to maintain our Christian identity. We're called to be Christ-like and Christ-centered so that when the world sees us right in the middle of its own culture, they see us as a different community right in the midst of this world where we live. We are called to be an alternative community to the way the world is living. This is our identity. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. This is what we're called to. Now, here's the thing. Engagement is harder than compromise or withdrawal. That's why those two things are tempting. Because they're easier I mean, let's just be honest. It is so much easier to just say, yeah, these convictions that aren't popular, that don't fit with culture right now, let's just lay them down and just join with the culture. It's just easier. And that's why Christians are doing this all across the United States of America right now. Because it's easier. It is easier to compromise than to engage with the battle for truth in our day. But God has called us to be his faithful people, engaging with the battle for truth every day. And it is easier to withdraw and just kind of go off by ourselves and kind of just hold up somewhere so that we can just be with people who believe like us and think like us and act like us, and we don't need to even admit the world's there. It's just easier, it's not very effective but it's easier. And so what God is calling us to in this year is something that's really hard. To go right into a middle of the culture that doesn't believe like we believe. Doesn't think like we think, doesn't act like we act. And we're called to live in that culture as what scripture calls a peculiar people. Some of you are better at being peculiar than others of us are. But we're all called to be a peculiar people in this day. What does that mean? We're called to be distinct and different, to show the world what it looks like to live life as God intends for life to be lived. And that our very lives would be a testimony to his character and his nature and his love and his grace and his power. And so as we begin 2022, I've really just been praying about God, what is it that we need to hear as a church? What is the theme of this new year that we need to give ourselves to for all of what is in front of us in 2022? And what I've realized is that if we're going to be the kind of people who can engage with culture right in the middle of a sinful, ungodly, secular culture and maintain a distinct Christian identity in that environment, we must be people who are on fire for God. We can't get there any other way. And so what I want to just say to you today is that in order for us to maintain our saltiness and in order for us to let our light shine brightly, we must be people who are given to spiritual intensity. 
I'm not a person who, who just wants to be kind of a doomsdayer who says, you know, just look at the world. It's, it's bad and it's getting worse and there's not really much we can do about it. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe that God sent his son as the baby in Bethlehem's manger to redeem the world, to change lives, and to restore this world to what he intends it to be, which means God has not given up hope on this world, and if we are his people, we won't give up hope either. But we must acknowledge the reality of the times in which we live, and we must ask God to make us into the people that our world needs right now. And what our world needs more than anything else is they need a church full of people with a spiritual intensity that hungers and thirsts for the righteousness of God that longs for God, just like the deer pants for the water, that we just can't get enough of him. That's what the world needs from the church today, is to be that kind of people, people with a spiritual intensity. And so my New Year's challenge to Lakeview Church for this year, 2022, is that in this year, this year would be marked by our response to this call to renew our passion for God. I think that what God needs from us as Lakeview Church in this community, in this day, and in this time is that we would be a congregation of people set on fire for God. That revival for our community would begin here if God would let it. That he would find a group of people who are so open and so leaning into what God has for us that if God would choose to spark a revival that would sweep across our city and across our county and even into other parts of this nation and world, that he could find that kind of church right here at Lakeview. That we would be those kind of people who say, God, we want you and nothing else. That's the kind of church we ought to be in 2022. And so as we seek to renew our passion for God, I've got two practices that I'm inviting each one of you to participate in. And some of you uh, maybe are already planning to participate in these challenges. You might not even know what they are yet, but you're already planning. And some of you are like, oh, here we go. New Year's resolutions. Yep, you better believe it. I got two for you. And I want you to commit to these things, not because I'm asking you to, but because I believe this is what God is asking of us in this day. Practice number one is 21 days of prayer. If you've been around Lakeview for a little while, you know that we've been practicing two seasons of 21 days of prayer. We do one in January, we do one in August. And we're going to continue that practice in 2022. Our first session of 21 Days of Prayer begins next Sunday, January the 9th. And we're going to launch 21 Days of Prayer right here in this service next Sunday. And then beginning on Monday, January 10th, on the weekdays, Monday through Friday, we will have a daily prayer video, which will be available on our website, on our Facebook page. And you'll be able to go there and you'll be able to, to for about 10 minutes, just have a time in the word of God, a short devotional with some prompts for prayer. What I would encourage you to do is to block out some time in your schedule. For some of you, this is going to be the first thing you're going to want to do in the morning. 
so that you don't let the busyness and the hectic realities of life squeeze it out. You're going to need to do it first thing before you do anything else. And I would encourage you to just block out some time, watch the video, and then spend some time in focused intercessory prayer for our church and for our community. Others of you, maybe you want to do it over your lunch break. It's like fast from eating for lunch and just watch the videos and spend time in prayer for your own life, for our church, for our community. Some of you, maybe you want to do it right after dinner or maybe the last thing before you go to bed. It doesn't matter when you do it. Just one time every day, can you just block out 20 or 30 minutes and just give yourself to seeking God in prayer? That's my challenge to you. Monday to Friday, that you'd have a daily prayer time. Now, some of you are gonna wanna join me right here in the sanctuary every morning, Monday to Friday, 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. Some of you didn't know 6.30 came twice every day, but I promise you, it does. And 6.30 a.m. every morning, Monday to Friday, I'll be right here in the sanctuary. And you say, what are we gonna do when we get here? We're gonna watch the daily prayer video, and then we're gonna turn some music on And that music will be just loud enough so that you can pray out loud without worrying about people around you hearing what you're praying. And you can can find a seat and pray seated. You can come to the altar and pray there. Or you can walk around in this sanctuary or in our ministry space in the church and just pray and ask God to send revival here. Monday to Friday, 21 days of prayer. 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. right here in the sanctuary. Or Whenever you find time in your day, just block out the time and spend time in prayer. And then on Saturday mornings during 21 days of prayer, we're going to have a prayer service here, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings. So what will be a part of those services? Well, we believe in prayer services being focused on actually praying. So we're going to start each morning with just a song or two. We will have a short, and I mean short, five-minute devotional to just focus our prayer time for the day, and then we're going to spend about 40 to 45 minutes praying. We'll do the same thing that we're doing on the weekdays. We'll turn the music on up just loud enough so that you can pray out loud and not worry about people hearing you. And you can be seated. You can pray at the altar. You can walk around. We just want to come together as a church during 21 days of prayer because, listen, The world that we live in, we are not strong enough, powerful enough, smart enough, wise enough to change it. We need the power of God. And the only way I know to experience that is through prayer. No great move of God has started anywhere other than in places where God's people have given themselves to prayer. So I'm calling you to 21 days of prayer. And that starts next Sunday, January 9th, and runs to the end of the month. Second practice that I'm inviting you to engage in uh, over this next, actually two years, is a daily Bible reading plan. We wanna invite you to read the scriptures daily beginning next week. So you got a week to get yourself ready for that, okay? You should read your Bible between now and next week, but next week we start the daily Bible reading plan. And this Bible reading plan, it's gonna be available for you in print, so if you're not an online person, it's fine. We're gonna give it to you in print. You'll have it, 
And, and it's going to be on our website, so you can go to our website and find it there. Or if you have the YouVersion app, we're going to use a plan from the YouVersion app, so you can just follow along in the YouVersion app with your daily Bible reading plan. And here's what this Bible reading plan is designed to do. It will take us through the entirety of the scriptures over the next two years. You say, how come we're not doing the one-year Bible? Well, we wanted to actually lower the bar of entry because there are some people in the church some people in this church who have never engaged in daily Bible reading. It's just true. Just, just based on statistics, we know that there are Christians who have never opened their Bible Monday to Saturday. They just open it on Sunday when they come to church. And if you do a one-year Bible reading plan, that requires about 15 to 20, if you're a slow reader, maybe even 25 or 30 minutes. And we just thought that people would drop out. And if you made it through Genesis and Exodus, you would hit the floor in Leviticus and just, it would be over. And so what we decided is instead of kind of raising the bar to this really high level, we wanted to create something that you could do in 10 minutes or less every day so that you could carve out the space so that the practice would be one that you could carry on and continue because that's really what we're after. We are asking God over the next two years to make us people of the word. Because we actually need a message to share with our world. And so, so what I'm inviting you to do is just to start that daily Bible reading plan. And again, it's going to begin next week. You can find more information about it. It'll be in the bulletin next week. It'll be on our website. And, it, and we'll tell you how to get to the version uh, plan so that you can follow along there. And we want to encourage you to do that. Right? We live in trying times a culture that used to be Christian. It used to be founded upon Christian principles. Judeo-Christian worldview was the prevailing worldview at the foundation of our culture, but we've moved away from that. And as a result, we live in a day and time where the culture around us is secular and it's becoming more and more that way. And God is looking for a church, not one that compromises and not one that withdraws. He's looking for a church that is engaged. And an engaged church requires a spiritual intensity. It requires that we would become more on fire for God than we've ever been. It requires that our maturity in the faith would go deeper than it has ever been in our lifetime. Right? This message is not an indictment on we haven't been doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's just simply a call to say we are going to have to be more engaged than before because our times demand it from us. And we want to be the church that our world needs right now. Because that's why we're here, to be the light of the world and to be the salt of the earth. Speaking of salt... You may have noticed that there are salt shakers lining. You may have noticed that there are salt shakers lining the altars this morning. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you if you're willing to commit in this new year to renew your passion for God. And in particular, if you're willing to commit to 21 days of prayer and a daily Bible reading plan, both of which will start next week then I'm gonna ask you in just a moment to step out from where you're at and come to the front of this room. And I'm gonna ask you to pick up one of these salt shakers. 
And after you've picked up one, I'm just going to ask you to maybe find a place down here around the front to stand, or if you're incapable of standing, that God would enable us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world in this new year for our culture and for our day. And when we're done praying and you leave this place today, I'm going to encourage you to take this salt shaker with you. And I want you to put it in a prominent place that you are likely to see every single day. Maybe on your nightstand so it's the first thing you see in the morning and it's the last thing you see before you go to bed. Maybe you put this by the place where you put your keys so that when you pick your keys up to leave your house in the morning, you're reminded, I need to be salty today for the sake of the world. Maybe you put it on your desk, but you put it in a place where you see it. And every time you see it, you'll be reminded of the commitment. To and the message of this song is really important. It is the prayer that I am praying for our church. That the Spirit of God would come. That the Spirit of God would come. That the Spirit of God would fall on us. And that revival would begin in this church and in this community and in our country and in our world because that's what we need more than anything. Father, that is our prayer today. We stand here as your people gathered around this altar at the front of this room. And Lord, what we are asking is that you would make us Salty, Don't ever let us lose the flavor of who you are that this world so desperately needs. Don't ever let us hide the light that you have given to us under a basket. May we with boldness and with clarity be the people that you have called us to be. And we just acknowledge in your presence today, God, that in our own strength and in our own wisdom and our own understanding, we are not enough to do that. So we ask for the Spirit of God to come and for the Spirit of God to fall fresh on us in this day and in this time. Awaken our hearts by your spirit. Fill us in fresh and in new ways. Purify us. Make us holy and pure. Make us look like Jesus. So when the world encounters us, they're encountering the Christ that we know and that we love and that we serve. And God, I'm not just asking that you would make us holy. I'm asking that you would make us powerful. Lord, our world is held captive by the enemy. And I'm reminded of when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we couldn't cast out these demons from these people. And Jesus said, well, that requires a different level of spiritual intensity. You gotta give yourself to prayer and to fasting if you wanna break those strongholds. God, we want to be the kind of people that when you look down at this church, you find people who are so on fire for you, so leaning in, so fervent and intense, that if you would decide to favor us with a new and fresh work of your hand, that God, you could do it here in us and through us because we are ready and we are willing and we are surrendered. 
So God, while there are lots of things that I've been praying for our church in this new year, there is one thing that I am praying for more than anything else. Would you let the Holy Spirit of God fall on this body of people? Would you do something new and fresh and powerful in us and through us so that when the world sees it, they would have to admit that it's a work of your hand. And when we are a part of it, there is nothing that we could ever take credit for that we could only ever say, look at what God has done. So Holy Spirit, fall on this church. Do your work in us, through us. Make us holy. Make us powerful. Make us effective for your name and for your cause. And may you get all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen.